Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Minnesota Twins 3, the Cleveland Guardians nothing. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And while we talked about it at the beginning of the series, uh, it was going to be really hard to sweep a five-game set. Like, that's just... That's not the way baseball is designed. So the Minnesota Twins get one here on what would be the Sunday finale of the series. Instead, uh, it's just game four or five. The finale will come today, another day game, uh, another makeup game before we head to Chicago. So yeah, it's now three to one in the series. Cleveland is up. And even if it's three, two, like it's still pretty good winning a five game set uh, three, two. So Win or loss today, I think we can consider this a pretty solid series. However, however, without the White Sox playing today, this is a real good chance to sneak back up to four-run lead in the division. So still an important game today, even though you've already won the series. Man, taking four out of five from the Twins at this point would be devastating to the Twins' playoff chances and be it nice to give yourself that cushion heading into the Chicago series. So... Let's get into the storylines of this game. A much more normal baseball game after the marathon that was a Saturday in Cleveland. And you know what? Man, we just ran into a good pitcher in Joe Ryan on this day. He is going to be really good for the Twins for a long time. Uh, and it's still mind-blowing that the Tampa Bay Rays gave up on this guy. They gave him up for Nelson Cruz. They were looking for that right-handed power hitter. They went out and got Nelson Cruz for their playoff run, and they gave up on a pitcher, a pitcher that's going to be pretty darn good in the major leagues. You don't see the Tampa Bay Rays do that very often. Usually if they're giving up on a pitcher, it's because they're up against a contract extension and they don't want to pay the guy. That's how they usually lose a pitcher. They burn them out in you know the three or four years they've got them under control, and as soon as it's time to you know cough up some money, then he's out of town. Usually not before before he has a chance to break through at the major league level. So uh, Ryan, definitely someone they gave up on. And the Minnesota Twins, I think when we look back on it, considering the Rays did not win the World Series, I think when we look back on it, uh, the Rays, uh, the Minnesota Twins are definitely going to win this trade. Uh, the longevity they're going to get out of Joe Ryan versus what Nelson Cruz was able to give Tampa Bay, yeah, I think the Minnesota Twins are going to end up being considered the winners of that trade. So Ryan goes seven and two-thirds innings against us of three-hit baseball. No runs given up. Two walks, but five strikeouts. 95 pitches. He's only hard hit five times. Giovanni Moran would finish the eighth inning, and then Johan Duran would be absolutely dominant in the ninth inning. Nearly unhittable uh, in that ninth inning. Meanwhile, on the Cleveland side, Cody Morris gives you six strong innings after the bullpen gets so taxed yesterday. It's weird that Mandy Bell's article is literally like, uh, we don't care that we lost, we didn't blow through our bullpen. That's literally the point of her you know, post-game article uh, and all the post-game comments uh, is that they didn't have to waste the bullpen. So it, in their minds, that's kind of a win. Uh, he goes six innings, six innings, or six hits given up and six innings pitched. One earned run on a solo home run. That's it. One walk, which was really nice to see. Six strikeouts on 81 pitches. He's only hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. Um, Eli Morgan comes in and gives you two scoreless innings 
in relief, which really helped save the bullpen. And then De Los Santos gets blown up in the ninth. I, he was so good last night in extra innings, right? Uh, he was dominant in extra innings. I don't know if De Los Santos is the kind of guy that can go back-to-back like that in such a short time frame. I mean, he's pitching last night at nearly midnight, you know, 11 p.m., and then he's got to come out and do it again, you know, less than 24 hours, and uh, he was struggling. He was really struggling in the ninth inning. So I wonder if pitching back-to-back so close together, you know, had an impact there. But he has to eat one for the team in the ninth inning. Um, It was a 1-1 game, so I get why you went with De Los Santos and and not somebody else because you're trying to hold that one-run lead, you know, one run deficit while uh, while still not using your best bullpen arms, and that's kind of where De Los Santos fits into the bullpen at this point. He's good, he's good, but he's not one of your like guys you go to to finish a game. So I understand why Francona went for him here, but clearly uh, didn't have it uh, pitching less than twenty four hours apart. So, all right, let's get into a little bit more detail here. So, what was working for Joe Ryan? Well, uh, on the player breakdown, I can tell you the fastball was working for Joe Ryan. Uh, he had a 38% CSW on the forcing fastball, thanks in mostly to 13 called strikes. Now, we did put 10 in play with an average exit velocity of 91.9. He was definitely getting some good bat bip. Uh, luck on the day. I actually pulled up fan graphs to see, uh, you know, they give you good numbers on stuff like that. And uh, the Guardians' BAPIP total on the day was a 143 batting average on balls in play. So even when they were putting it in play, they were not having very much luck. Hitting it right at guys, a ton of ground balls. Oh my God, a ton of ground balls. Joe Ryan, uh, nine ground outs to three flyouts. Unbelievable right there. Um, so, yeah, so a 143 batting average balls in play. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the Minnesota Twins had a 360 batting average on balls in play uh, off Guardians pitching. So a big difference there. Uh, they were finding holes. They were, you know, dropping it in in the gaps in the outfield. We were not. Uh, not that we weren't hitting the ball hard at times. Uh, we just were not finding anything out there. And uh, Joe Ryan's fastball is a really good pitch. I mean, he throws fastball, slider, change, and curve. Everything off speed, slider, change, curve, all has an above 200 batting average. In fact, above 250 batting average. So it's all hittable stuff. But the fastball only has a 173 batting average. Even when just in go expected batting average, it's only a 209 expected batting average. So it's a good pitch. It's got a 25.3% whiff rate. He puts people away at 19.2% of the time. If we come down and we look at the run value, remember they calculate these run value numbers. His four seam fastball is a minus 18. I mean, this is a deep, deep colored red. One of the best, most effective pitches in baseball this season is his four-seam fastball. Uh, it, I mean, I don't know. I, it, doesn't have, it doesn't have elite drop like uh, uh, Tristan McKenzie's does where it rides up in the zone. So I don't know what it is about his fastball, but they just cannot hit it. Uh, yeah, minus 18 run value on his four-seam fastball. That is impressive. Now, for Ryan yesterday, it was all about location. 
Location, location, location. His strikeouts, uh, fastball, three fastballs at the top of the zone, and then two sliders away. Uh, both right-handed hitters chasing away Ahmed Rosario and Tyler Freeman. Uh, the four fastballs, one he blew by Richie Palacios up and in on a 2-2 count in the second inning. Uh, the other one came off Will Benson pinch hitting late in the game in the eighth inning. Blows him away looking on a 1-2 count uh, in the eighth inning. So that was a tough one to eat for Will Benson in a pinch hit situation there. And then he got Jose Ramirez to chase high and away in the fourth inning. So those were his five strikeouts uh, on the day. But more importantly than that was the balls they actually made contact with. The results. If I look at just right-handed hitters. Uh, most of the things, most of the results, whether it was a strikeout or a field out or even reached on an error, uh, which was how uh, Oscar Gonzalez got on base at one point, um, everything was away, 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 away. They were making contact away. Even Miles Straw gets a uh, uh, gets one, a single away. Um, yeah, so so many of the right-handed batters were kind of expanding the batter's box, chasing pitches away, swinging at pitches away. Um, it's really interesting to see here uh, how he was able to work those guys. And he was working the glove side of the plate a lot. He was really pounding the slider on the glove side of the plate, uh, working the fastball up and the slider down, uh, changeup and curve basically down, but throwing all three of those off-speed pitches pretty much down and away. Um, and then the fastball, letting it kind of play to both sides of the plate. Uh, and then if you look at the swinging strikes, um, you know, again, a lot of stuff away, uh, three sliders away, fastballs towards the outer edge of the plate. Um, yeah, really getting us guess, guess what? I'm in Rosario chasing sliders away. Are you shocked? No, nobody's shocked by that. Uh, and then even when Duran comes into the game, we are chasing a ridiculous amount of curveballs down and out of the zone. Wait till you see the CSW numbers for Johan Duran. But he got one, two, three, four, five curveballs chased down and out of the strike zone. I'm telling you, not even close to the strike zone. They were just wailing at these things. Whether it's Naylor, the lefty, up there swinging at curveballs that are down and in, or uh, he swung at three curveballs down and in. My God, he blew him away in the ninth inning, or Oscar Gonzalez chasing down and away out there. Uh, five swings and misses on fastballs down and away. So yeah, Duran comes into that ninth inning, and he is just absolutely dominant. He's got a 86% whiff rate on the day. They whiffed on the only fastball they swing at, and they whiff at five of six curveballs that they swing at. Unbelievable. It's a 47% total CSW on the day for Yohan Duran in his one inning of pitch. I, I just, yeah, unbelievable how they were chasing on the day. It just felt like they were on the, the right-handed batters especially, were on the tips of their toes, reaching out over the plate all day. So it's just filthy stuff from Joe Ryan and Johan Duran for the Twins to finish off a pretty, a pretty weak offense from the Guardians. Now, that's not to say we didn't have our chances offensively. There were a few moments in this game where you thought maybe this is the moment the Guardians are going to break through. Uh, you know, it wasn't all doom and gloom. In the fifth inning, Gonzalez reaches on that fielding error. Uh, after Palacios pops out, Tyler Freeman would single. We'd get two on with one out, 
and then Austin Hedges would ground into a double play, and that would be a theme for the next three innings. Miles Straw with a double. Andres Jimenez gets hit by the pitch, squaring the bunt. You know he loves bunting for a base hit, but squaring a bunt, he gets hit on the thigh. He now has the team record with 21 hit-by-pitches in the season. It's unbelievable, the franchise record. Uh, but then Ahmed Rosario, what does he do? Of course, he grounds into a double play. By the way, Andres Jimenez, they gave Quan the day off. And instead of just doing the thing Francona does, where he erases one name and pencils another name in because he can't be bothered to adjust the lineup, he doesn't do that. He doesn't hit Palacios' leadoff. He actually lets Andres Jimenez hit in the top three in the lineup, lets him hit leadoff. Eh, it doesn't really work, but whatever. Uh, clearly, the Guardians' offense was a little out of whack anyways yesterday. So Ahmed Rosario it doesn't end the inning, but grounds into a double play here. Straw does move up to third, but Jose Ramirez would line out at 102.1 miles per hour to end the threat. Then in the seventh inning, leadoff walk. All right, we got something going with Naylor here. Gonzalez would fly out, and then Palacios would ground into a double play to end the threat in the seventh inning. So fifth, sixth, seventh inning, ground into double play really, really kill the Guardians' chance at a rally. Miles Straw tries again in the eighth with a with a two-out single, but Jimenez would fly out. You know, I thought that might be a moment because we know how great Jimenez has been late in the game, right? Late innings, pressures, high-leverage situations. It's a one nothing lead at this point. If he puts one out here, you know, the Guardians go to Class A and try to end this thing. Instead, he flies out, uh, I mean, pretty weakly. Um, and then in the ninth inning, yeah, Ramirez does reach via the walk, but Naylor and Gonzalez both strike out bad to those curveballs, and uh, that's it. That's that's the end of it right there for your Guardians batter. So uh, there were moments, there were definitely moments where you thought maybe they're going to crawl into this thing. Maybe they're going to come awake. It just never happened. I mean, they finished the day with three hits. Uh, so yeah, a pretty effective day for the Minnesota Twins pitching. Now, that's not to take anything away from Cody Morris on the other side, because he was pretty darn good on the other side, and the changeup was working for Cody Morris. And you're going to see the changeup's been working all season for him. Morris ends up with a 50% whiff rate on his changeup on the day. Seven whiffs on 14 swings. It's good for a 37% CSW on that pitch. He didn't locate any for a call strike, but that's all right. They were swinging and missing at that pitch. It's a 30% CSW total on the day for Cody Morris, so not terrible. Not terrible. I mean, the one run he gives up is a Jake Cave solo home run uh, in the second inning. It's a fastball up and away, and Cave does a good job of riding it to the opposite field. 100-mile-per-hour exit velocity, 29-degree launch angle, 379. Had a 5'10 expected batting average, but it makes it over the big wall in left field. And that would be it. He would get hard hit a bunch. Arise and Correa seemed like they were on base all day. Uh, but does a good job of working his way out of some things via the strikeout. The strikeout helps him out when he needs it most. So, I mean, it looked like it could have been a lot worse in that second inning. But strikes out Jermaine Palacios and then gets a rise to line out to end the threat in the second. Um, after This is after the solo home run. There were singles from Sanchez and Walner. Walner almost runs himself out of the inning by rounding first and heading to second, thinking he's going to have a double on the play and has to scramble back. Uh, but yeah, uh, he settles down, goes one, two, three in the third with three ground outs, uh, gets Cave to fly out, so saves himself in the fourth inning, and then two strikeouts in the fourth inning, goes one, two, three in the fifth inning with strikeout, strikeout, ground out. So really, really settles down. 
Um, gets into a little more trouble in the sixth inning, but they're able to get out of it. Um, he, you know, leadoff single, but then he strikes out Miranda. Giovanni Urshela walks, but then a fly out to Cave and a ground out from Gary Sanchez and the threats. So, uh, good job. I mean, shuts him down one, two, three. It was at three innings in a row there of uh, lockdown baseball from Cody Morris. And like we said, that changeup was effective. Going over to the illustrator here, uh, looking at his strikeouts, you're not going to be surprised to see that a bunch of them came via the changeup. Four strikeouts via the changeup. I got three below the knees to Jose Miranda, uh, Jermaine Palacios, and Matt Walner all going down below the knees chasing that changeup. Uh, I've got one uh, Gary Sanchez just whiffing on one in the middle of the plate. Uh, on a 1-2 count. And then I've got two fastballs at the top of the zone. 95.7, 95.2, so 95, 96-mile-per-hour fastballs. He blows one by Jermaine Palacios in the second inning and blows one by Gilbert Celestino, the center fielder, in the fourth inning. So a good job from Cody Morris. I really like the pitch combination. I mean, it was very effective on the day. Uh, really attacking with the fastball and the cutter and then keeping that changeup down there were a few at the belt uh, that, you know, I mean, that Sanchez one was right there in the middle of the plate for him to hit, but the change in speed gets him. And then a bunch of changeups down below the belt. And you know what? That changeup has been very good for Cody Morris. Now, obviously, he's only, uh, you know, made a few appearances on the season, uh, four games on the season. So some of his stat cast numbers might be a little bit inflated with only four starts, but they have not gotten a hit yet. Off of his changeup, a zero batting average off of his changeup. He's got a 66.7% whiff rate so far on the season off of that changeup. So that is very good stuff. Now, the fastball, they're hitting 333 off of. The cutter has been effective, only a 231 batting average off the cutter. Uh, both have high whiff rates, 27, actually, both have 27.3% whiff rates. Um, so, yeah, so that's been good. The put away rate on that cutter has been 20%. On the change on the fastball, it's only been 7.7%. So the fastball is going to be something he's going to have to work on. Maybe he's got to locate it better. Maybe he needs a little more movement on that pitch. Um, but yeah, the changeup has been downright filthy. Uh, a negative one run value on the changeup, a negative two on the cutter, plus three run value on the forcing fastball. Obviously, again, very small sample size there for Cody Morris, but you got to be encouraged with what you're seeing. I mean, that was a, that's a quality start right there. From Cody Morris, six innings pitch, one earned run. Remember, they to qualify as a quality start, which, you know, feels like a little bit like a participation trophy when you're actually taking the loss in the game. But to qualify as a quality start, give me six innings, three runs or less. That's it. That's all you need for a quality start. And that's exactly what Cody Morris gave you in this one. So someone we thought was going to come up and help out of the bullpen ends up being pretty effective as a starter. I, I'm not I am not angry about Cody Morris continuing to get starts, and he might. I mean, Savali will be back, so that's going to take care of that rotating door from AAA, but Cody Morris is still starting in police X spot in the rotation and probably will through the end of the season, it looks like. I know police X trying to come back with a broken hand, with a broken finger, but even if he does, is it in a relief role once we get to the playoffs? Like, it's going to be very interesting. I don't know if he's going to get back in time to be a starter. So Cody Morris might get to finish the season as a starter if he keeps pitching like this, if that changeup continues to be filthy for him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a rough game for your Guardians. 
I think that's all my thoughts on this one. Really, I mean, it's a 3 nothing shutout. There's not much to sink our teeth into here for the Guardians. Anderson Menace did have a fantastic leaping catch uh, at second base, a, a leaping diving catch at second base, continuing to be a gold glove-worthy second baseman. And it's crazy, this guy you thought was going to be the shortstop of the future after we traded Lindor might just be so good at second base, it's hard to move him off of it. And with so many shortstops coming up in the franchise, it really might be that Andres Jimenez was the second baseman of the future we've been looking for since Jason Kipnis. I mean, no doubt, you know, Kipnis fell off a little bit towards the end, but no doubt Kipnis was a really strong locked down that second base position for a lot of years. And we have been struggling and searching to find a second baseman to lock that down for a long time. It had been a long search for a second baseman. So Andres Jimenez might really be uh, the next guy to lock down that position after Kipnis. Uh, and then shortstop will figure out next year. It'll be interesting to see uh, if Rosario comes. You know, we've talked about this to death. If Rosario comes back, if one of the young guys gets it, uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens there. But gold glove defense from Andres Jimenez at second base. And then a great play in the first inning. You know, I kind of buried the lead here because literally it led off the game. Uh, they get two guys on. Arise and Correa get singles to lead off the game. And then uh, after a Jose Miranda, I believe, fly out to make it one out in the game, Urshela flies out to left field. Arise tries tagging and scoring from third base, and Palacios guns him out at the plate. A beautiful throw to Hedges, who honestly can't believe he held on to the ball and was able to make the tag and didn't end up in a horrible collision with Larissa, Luisa Rise coming home. So he tags him kind of still standing. And uh, a huge double play to end the first inning. After back-to-back singles, you thought was going to be a really rough start for Cody Morris. Uh, he's able to get out of it with this beautiful throw from Palacios in left field. So definitely some good defensive moments I want to give the Guardians credit for. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Uh, MVP on the day. I'm actually going to go with Cody Morris. I mean, a really, really solid start. He had a quality start. Kept the Guardians in the game the entire time. I mean, kept it a one nothing game the entire time. The offense had their chances. I mean, really had two chances while he was still on the pitcher's mound and just couldn't come through for him. But really solid, filthy with that changeup. MVP on the day is going to Cody Morris. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Again, it's some afternoon day baseball, not afternoon baseball, day baseball, a one ten start with Sonny Gray going against Quantrill. Quantrill pitching at home for the Guardians. Come on, let's take four or five. Let's do what we do and get behind Cal Quantrill at home. Uh, you're feeling it. Yesterday, you know, was almost felt like an off day for the Guardians. And now let's get the offense going. Let's get back to work. And let's take four out of five from the Minnesota Twins, which would be huge. So whatever you got to do while you're at work today for us, for us Clevelanders, I know those of you spread around the world probably enjoy this 110 start. Uh, for us Clevelanders, we got to figure out a way while we're at work to keep our eyes on this one. All right, again, the final yesterday. It is the Twins 3, the Guardians nothing. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at ClevelandBaseballMornings at gmail.com. Come on, let me know what you're feeling about this Minnesota Twins series. Wait till the game's over today and then email me. Let you let me know how you felt about the battle between the Guardians and the Minnesota Twins all season, and we'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. 
We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.